everyone. It's Megan with Wrong Kind of Christian Podcast. How are you all doing today? I have something awesome to share with all of you today. Wrong Kind of Christian Podcast has officially made some charts. Thanks to all of you listening and supporting, we are now in the top 500 religion and spirituality charts for both global charts and in the U.S. alone. Thank you guys. I know that this has very little to do with me and is definitely more about what God is doing through my studies and with my stories, but I was still pretty excited to find out about it. When I started this podcast, it was really supposed to be like a sister product for my blog on wrongkindofchristian.com. And that's pretty much switched now. Now I do my podcast episodes and the blog is a way to share that out with those who would rather read it than listen to it. But either way, it's really cool to see how God is working through this. As always, if you enjoy going on these journeys with me, please follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. Like the episode, leave a comment. All of those are very easy ways to support me and the podcast. And I thank you for it. I hope that you're all able to listen to last week's episode, essentially our kickoff to our study of the book of Ruth. We went through chapter one, meeting Naomi and Ruth and getting the background of what will eventually become Ruth's story. I've been sharing some quotes from the episode on my Instagram over the last week. And one of the things that really stuck out to me throughout the week, what my brain kept coming back to is that it took Naomi 10 years to begin to make her way back to God, but it wasn't too late. 10 years wasn't too much time for God. He was more than willing waiting even to bring her back into the fold and to bless her. I so appreciate this example of his love and grace because heaven knows I need that love and grace from time to time myself. We begin to see some of the blessing that is to come for both Ruth and Naomi in the second chapter, which is our focus for today. Do you love a good love story? I do. I'm a romantic at heart, and there's just something about the way we can see God at work here to bring Ruth and a man named Boaz together that just pulls on my heartstrings. So let's dig in. We'll start by learning a little bit about this man, Boaz. Ruth chapter 2 verse 1 says, Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Okay, this may just be one little sentence, but we've got a lot to learn from that one little sentence. First of all, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side. Great. Why do we care? Remember our talk in chapter one about Israeli culture at the time and what happens if a woman is widowed and sonless? If a woman's husband dies before they have had a son, the husband's brother is to marry the widow and have a child with her. The whole point is to, you know, continue the family line. In Ruth's case, her husband's brother had also died. In that case, it was customary for the next closest male relative to take over that duty. Well, enter Boaz, a male relative of Ruth's husband through his father, who was Naomi's husband. That was pretty convoluted, wasn't it? Okay, so the term used for Boaz is more than just relative or kinsman. It means really that he had a special role in the family. He was a guardian redeemer in the family. So notice that I didn't say he's the guardian redeemer. He was a guardian redeemer, meaning that we can essentially cut it down to this. He was in line to take on the duty of marrying the childless widow, Ruth. Coincidence? Definitely not. Was he next in line, though? We'll see. It also says that he was a man of great standing, which means he's wealthy. So think back on chapter one. Why did Naomi and her family leave Judah to begin with? Because of a famine, right? Boaz stayed in Judah and was blessed because he did so. Remember what caused Naomi to decide to go back in the first place? She had heard all the way in Moab that a famine was over 
and that the people of Judah were blessed with an abundance of food. Boaz was one of those people who owned some of the fields that were growing grain. And because his harvest was plenty, so was the money that he was making by selling the abundance of his harvest, right? It's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? The people of Bethlehem were all in the same predicament 10 years earlier. And even within one family, different decisions were made. Naomi and her family tried to justify their bad decision by saying that they were abandoning the promised land because of difficult life circumstances. But not everyone did that. Some stayed. Boaz stayed. It may not have been an easy road for all 10 of those years, but leaving didn't make the road any easier for Naomi's family either. Boaz was richly rewarded for his faithfulness. I think there's probably some insight there about sticking it out through the hard times, but we're going to move on. So we've met Boaz. Now let's move on to how these two meet. Verses two through three say, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. All right, so let's, first of all, let's just set some groundwork here. Ruth was not suggesting that she was going to steal any of the harvest or anything like that. She's not sneaking in subtly, you know, in the dark of night to to take what the harvesters had left behind. It's actually quite a fascinating concept to me. But in the book of Leviticus, the farmers are commanded to not completely harvest their fields. Strange, right? They were to cut corners and leave some of it behind. What sense does that make? Well, it was like their social assistance program for the Israelites. It was a way of helping the poor people in their community. Those who were struggling to meet the needs of their family would come along and glean or harvest some of the leftover crops in order to feed their family. I love this because, you know, there's a certain amount of pride that comes from working for your earnings. The food wasn't just given to them as a handout. It wasn't like, uh, here, you're a charity case. Let me give you food. They had to work for it. They had to put in some effort and they would only take what they needed to feed their families because it's hard work, you know. This method of taking care of the needy and their community allowed for like a sense of dignity among the people that they were helping. And what do we see in people who see some measure of accomplishment in themselves, even if it's small? It can begin a cycle of accomplishment. One small achievement leads to another. In this instance, Ruth is wanting to provide for herself and her mother-in-law. She isn't content to just rely on the handouts from strangers, even though she's a widow and they would have taken care of her. We begin to see this hardworking side of Ruth, which blesses those around her. She takes off on her own initiative to glean from the leftover harvest. And of course, we know that God led her to Boaz's field. But for Ruth, in her mind, she just happened upon this field that happens to belong to a man in her husband's family line. Yeah, just by happenstance. Isn't it awesome when you can look back at some of the happenings of your life and see how God worked it all out and you didn't even know? You know, last week, I think we saw God at work in making sure that Naomi heard about the blessings of abundance happening in Bethlehem. And this week, we're seeing God at work through Ruth's natural instinct to provide for her mother-in-law. Sometimes we get feelings that we're supposed to do something. It weighs on our minds and in our hearts while we're praying about it, confirming it with God. Sometimes God's will is fulfilled in our natural instincts. Ruth didn't have a feeling that she should go and glean from the field. She did what she thought any person would do. And she followed the natural path of going to work. 
God often works in the natural ways in our lives. And we, we seem to only notice those moments, though, when we're looking back and reflecting, because often they're just, you know, a regular part of our day. They don't stand out until later when we can look back and see the accomplishment that happened through those moments. For Ruth's story, we're about to watch this divinely orchestrated love story that is one of the stepping stones in our Messiah's lineage. So cool. So here comes the first look, right? Their first time to see each other. Verses four through seven. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So we've had our first look at Ruth, and we can say that we we kind of already know a few things about her, right? She's loyal. She's a hard worker. She has a sense of dignity, pride in herself. She's not okay to just sit back and let other people take care of her. And now we get a glimpse at the character of Boaz. Even his greeting tells us that he had a good relationship with his workers. He was happy to see them. They were happy to see him. Have you ever had a boss that no one liked? I'm sure you've probably got an example in your mind already. Whatever it was about them, the workers didn't respond well to them. Maybe they were rude or disrespectful. Maybe they were uncaring about their workers. Maybe money was the bottom line no matter what. I've had a boss that fell into this category and, and you know, he felt completely unapproachable. But that's not what we see here in Boaz. Boaz was the complete opposite of that type of boss. His workers demonstrated comfort with him, and and he even noticed the people who were there to glean behind his harvesters. You know, something else that we see in these verses is that Ruth was being observed. The supervisor took note of how she approached him to get permission, and he also noted how hard she worked. She was doing a good job, and that impressed him. And because it impressed him, it impressed Boaz. So what's our lesson in all of this? What can we take for our lives? Well, we're observed all the time. And we likely don't even know it. We are always under the scrutiny for the way that we live our lives. The problem comes when we live our lives just because the world is watching or in spite of the fact that the world is watching and we end up living for the world's approval instead of God's. That's not what's happening here, though. Ruth may know that they are watching her, but she likely thinks it's because she is Ruth the Moabitess from the pagan nation, someone who can't yet be trusted. Little did she know that they were truly impressed with what they were seeing. In verses 8 through 9, it says, So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Okay, honestly, the, the girl in me squeals when I read this. As a woman who tries to live my life walking with God, I know that what I'm about to say will make a lot of women, and likely some men, angry. I love having my very protective husband on my side. He's not a perfect man, not a perfect husband, just like I'm certainly not a perfect woman or a perfect wife. But I know I can count on him to always defend me, provide for me, and love me. And that is something that I want. And I know that there are quote-unquote feminists out there right now yelling about how we can take care of ourselves and we do everything men can do like, like they're unnecessary. And it's just not true. My husband and I both agree that God made man and woman and put us into these family units together because we can each fulfill different roles within that unit. 
Okay, so I got a little sidetracked there. But the reason why I'm talking about this, the reason why the girl in me squeals at this verse is because this is the first moment that we witness the protectiveness and the provision of Boaz towards Ruth. He's taking care of her already. And that's so cool to read about. But even more important here is the way that we see God taking care of her. God is providing for her through Boaz's generosity and protection. Now, before you all start coming at me, yes, I realize that there is absolutely no hint of romantic interest between the two of them at this point. They didn't even know each other. And, you know, Ruth has been out working in the fields all day. She, like, I'm sure she wasn't at her freshest moment. But since I know how the story ends, I can squeal and enjoy God's writing of the love story along the way. Of course, Ruth is extremely grateful for Boaz's kindness. And verses 10 through 13, at this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. One of the greatest things to see here is the attitudes of these two. Boaz is clearly kind and generous beyond what many would do, and Ruth shows incredible humility and gratitude. She could have been bitter about the scenario she found herself in, but instead she's thankful, though somewhat confused. She's thankful. And it's never too far from her mind that she is a foreigner in the land. So the fact that someone has showed her kindness is just really kind of blowing her mind. There's nothing to say this in the word, but I hope that that doesn't mean that Ruth had encountered harsh judgments from others in the region before she met Boaz, like people who were just against her because she was a Moabite. Boaz's greeting to her is is really a great example, actually, of how those who are mature in the faith should greet those who are you know new to the family, so to speak. This is actually one of the things that keeps people from coming to Christ the most. They're afraid of the judgments of the Christians that they'll encounter when they go to church or when they you know, ask questions. And some of that guilt, sure, that's on their part, but a lot of it is past experience. The church isn't exactly known for being open to those who have a past. I mean, good grief, guys. We judge each other harshly all the time, Christian to Christian. Who would expect us to be welcoming to those who don't yet know Christ or are new to the faith? So you guys know that every week when we do these studies, I'm always looking for the practical application for our lives today. This isn't the only one, but it's a big one. Be kind. Be kind to other Christians. And I don't mean this in this flippant way that, you know, it's all over the shirts and it's on mugs and bumper stickers and everything else. Be kind, be kind. I mean it, you guys. We are the salt of the earth and the representatives of Christ here on earth. Be kind, not just to other Christians, but be kind to those who are trying to figure it out. Be kind to those who are new to the faith. Be more than kind. Be encouraging. Boaz was encouraging to Ruth with his words and his actions. Let's follow that example. He didn't talk down to her in any way. He didn't call out anything from her past or her connections. He encouraged her to keep going and basically prayed a blessing over her. Let's be like Boaz. Not only did he offer her protection and provision, encouragement and blessing, Boaz then took an opportunity to get to know her a bit. Many scholars think that this is the first inclination of like romance that we see in the story. So verses 14 through 16 say, At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, 
have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. See guys, it's not so different from today. Boaz invited her to dine with the harvesters and even offered her some wine vinegar for the bread. And that was a big deal. Ruth, for her part, accepted Boaz's very generous invitation, and she ate all that she wanted and even had some leftover that she could take home to Naomi. When Ruth left to go back to the work, Boaz took his previous orders and the command from Leviticus just a step further and told his men to allow her to gather among the sheaves and and that they should even pull out some of the stalks from their bundles and leave them for her to pick up. You know, he's giving her a little extra while still allowing her to keep her dignity in working. Is this the old Israelite way of flirting? I have no idea. But it's clear that he was doing something special for her, and it's very likely that she was aware that it wasn't typical behavior. So what happens at the end of day one here? Well, verses 17 and 18 tell us what Ruth did at the end of the day. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. So it sounds like Ruth had accomplished her goal for the day. Her goal was to go and glean from behind the harvesters in order to provide for Naomi and herself. Yes, she had the very mighty blessing of the Lord working in her favor. And yes, she was blessed by the extra kindness of Boaz. But nevertheless, Ruth worked. She put in a full day's work, doing some tiresome manual labor, And the Lord blessed her fruitfully for that. She ended up with about a five and a half gallon tub of grain at the end of the day. I mean, that's a lot of gathering and threshing. Let's get Naomi's response. In verses 19 through 23, it says, Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and the wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Ah, did you catch the name that Naomi gave Ruth for Boaz? He's a guardian redeemer. We'll see more about that in the next chapter, but look at this turnaround in Naomi's attitude. She's gone from call me Mara for God has dealt with me bitterly to a woman who is beginning to see God's plan unfolding before her very eyes. What a difference a day working for the Lord can make. So what are our takeaways for today? Well, Sometimes we have to put in hard work when we're living for the Lord. He never promised us an easy route. But when we put in the work, we will be blessed. Another takeaway for today is specific for those of us who have been following Christ for a while now. But don't forget where you came from. Doesn't that sound silly to say? Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget that you too are a sinner. And you too were once without the blessing of knowing Christ. Don't make life harder for those who are new to the faith. Instead, be encouraging. Share your stories and how God got you through it all and pray for those new siblings in Christ. Open yourself up to forming relationships with them and just love them. 
Next week, we'll watch Ruth make a bold move toward becoming Boaz's wife. And I will talk with you all then. Bye, guys.